The following audio is from LaGrange Church of Christ, located in Texas. For more information about LaGrange Church of Christ, please visit our website at www.lagrangecoc.com. Father, we gather to seek you and in finding you encourage one another. The idea of love, Father, is, is, uh, is just so broad and, and, and wide and not fully understanding in ourselves. Sometimes it's hard to describe. And so I just, I, I pray for clarity. Uh, I pray for the ability to uh, channel your words and, and thoughts on love uh, and communicate them clearly. I pray, I pray that all of us here would have open hearts to, to hear what you say and uh, that uh, thoughts of this world, thoughts of things that we need to do later and other things would not be uh, something that would hinder us or, or prevent us from hearing. I just, I just pray for a moment, Father, a moment of, uh, moment of safety to examine this and... Uh, Pray that the words of our mouth and the meditation of our hearts would be pleasing to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, it, it, so we're talking about these, these greatest commandment ideas, and, and, and it is, and it is kind of kind of a struggle. It is kind of difficult to, to, to put it into words to, to understand and to teach. Uh, it's not easy. And... And while, yeah, it's hard to love God, I, I would say it's equally difficult to love others. Um, and, and I know, you know, my daughter's here. She could probably tell you how much of a struggle it is for me because, you know, she listens to me when I'm driving down the road, um, you know, critiquing other people's driving uh, and, and perhaps even their heritage. Uh, <laughs> but... You know, it, 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 it's not easy. It's, 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 it's difficult. These, these things that are left for us, these things that are charged to us, these things that, that have been left for us, not just to be participants in, not, not just for us to be, you know, people who wear, you know, cool T-shirts that, that, that represent Jesus or some kind of church principle, but to actually be representatives of these commands and be practitioners, to be people who live out these commands in a day-to-day life, this, this is not easy. This is not easy. And, and it's, even, it's even more difficult in the fact that, that this, is, this is not a game. This, this is not a game where, you know, if, if, if we don't get this right, then it really doesn't matter, you know, because we can play again next week. There's, there's some weight there's some weight to these ideas. There's some, there's some weight to loving God and, and knowing God. And, and, and Benjamin did a great job. In t- I did say that right, right, name? Yeah. I just had a panic moment. That's not his name. Okay, good. Benjamin, Benjamin talked about that, and he said knowing God and then knowing about God and talking about the communication that that takes of, of reading Scripture and of praying. And that's not easy to do, is it? It's not, easy to, it's not easy to carve out time. It's not easy to schedule time. And then it's not easy to actually put in the time. 
I can sit down and start to pray and then think, oh, wait, did I turn the iron off? Or, or did I put the socks in the dryer? Or, or, or countless other things. Did I turn the car off? Yeah, I, got, yeah, I can go through and, and, and wonder anything. And it's hard to even remember what I was praying when I left the tracks. And so when we talk about loving one another, I'm thankful that there are tons of scriptures in the New Testament. 251 scriptures-ish mention love in the New Testament. Okay? And, and, and one of the most popular, 1 Corinthians 13. I don't have PowerPoint. You're going to have to open a Bible or pull it up on your phone. So if you don't have one of those, grab one because I'm not going any further until we get there. I'm seeing devices power up. That's good. That's good. All right. 1 Corinthians 13. Because we need an understanding. We, we need an understanding of a biblical principle of love because that's the love that we're called to show and we're called to share and we're called to have to one another. And in 1 Corinthians 13, it's, it's, it's the love chapter. It's the one that, that everybody turns to. They read it at weddings. They do it in important events. Uh, and, and they say it. And it says this. It says, if I speak in the languages of men and of angels but do not have love, I'm a sounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so that I can move mountains but do not have love, I am nothing. And if I donate all my goods to feed the poor, and if I give my body to be burned but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy, is not boastful, is not conceited. It does not act improperly. It is not selfish. It is not provoked. does not keep a record of wrongs. It finds no joy in unrighteousness, but rejoices in truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. And so we need to understand the idea that's coming out of these scriptures, the thing that Paul is writing to people, and he's reminding them of everything that love is, because love is not, I don't know if you saw it in there or not, love is not easy. Love is not easy. It's, it's, it's a discipline. It's a, it takes practice. You're going to have to, you're going to, have to, 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 to work at it. Let me, give you, let me give you five other ideas of what love is based on the idea of one of the words in Scripture that's used for love. Because we, we just have one word. We just talk about love. So we can love pancakes and, and we can love that new girl that just moved to town. And, and it can be completely different aspects of what's going on. Okay? So here's what I'm talking about today when I talk about love. First, it seeks the other person's highest good. You get that? Does that make sense? Come on, nod. I mean, even if you're dozing off, just, okay, good. <laughs> Seeks the person highest good, whether they deserve it or not. Oh, see, now it got just a little harder, didn't it? Right? I mean, it's easy to love mom when she's, when she's making good breakfast on Saturday morning and letting you, you know, sit in your jammies and watch cartoons and, and that stuff, right? It's a little harder when she's telling you, go clean your room, right? And, and not going to feed you till you do. We'll slide something under the door. That's different. Number three, regardless of your cost. Oh, 
This just keeps getting, it, this is like walking into the swimming pool. It, the water just keeps getting deeper and deeper. So you're always seeking the other person's highest good, whether they deserve it or not, no matter the cost. Number four, whether they ask for it or not. Love is a volunteering love. It, it's something that you volunteer for. It's something that you see a need and you step in to fill it, Right? That, that's the idea behind this. And finally, regardless of how many times the love is required. I'm nervous about talking to you about love. Because I think your generation understands it a little better than my generation. Because there are things that I see in the news, that I see in my Facebook feed, that show up on, on Twitter, that show up in, in all these things, and it makes me just want to stand up and proclaim the righteous indignation of God. And you guys are like, that's a person, we need to love them. And I'm just like, okay, you're right, but I don't like it. I don't like it. I was raised, I was raised in, a, in a kind of a strict church and, and now I'm trying to be, you know, grace and mercy and, and that's not easy for me because I'm more of a prophet kind of person. If you come to me and go, my life is not going very well and I'm going, okay, tell me what's going on and then you tell me what's going on and I go, oh, I can tell you why your life's not going very well. You're an idiot <laughs> and you're making idiotic choices. And so your life's not going well, right? And, and, that, and that's the purpose. And so it's hard for me to get a grasp on this, to get a handle on this, and then to come and teach you because I watch you do. I, I watch you practice love. I watch you guys in, somehow know these steps to agape love. You somehow understand what Paul is saying by love is patient and love is kind, unless you're dealing with siblings or parents, and then, you know, you're not as good. But that's okay. And so, what I want to encourage you to do then is to not simply be good about showing people your age this love. I want you to show it to those older than you, okay? I want you to show it to the old people in your church that just don't get it, right? Paul writes to Timothy, his son in the faith, and he says, look, you need to set an example for the believers in your faith and in love. That's one of the things you need to do. You need to be an example for all believers in that. And that's what I want you to be, okay? So as we travel through this and I try to make sense of my notes here, that's what I want you to know. Let me give you a stat, okay? Let me give you 4% of Americans have a biblical worldview. Kind of alarming, isn't it? Right, four percent of all Americans have a have a thought process, look at the world, and and have and have some way of tying it into to, to scripture, tying it back to Christ, tying it back to God. Ten percent of Christians have a biblical worldview. Okay, getting a little better, doing all right, doing a little better. However, 
12% of Christians believe that Joan of Arc is Noah's wife. Noah built the ark. See, in Genesis chapter 6, God looked at the earth and saw that, that, that everybody was just doing bad and decided that he wanted to just save Noah and his family, so they built an ark. Maybe you've heard the story, right? And Joan of Arc was a French revolutionary. Yes, a long time ago when the French were revolutionizing. Okay, so you guys okay? Did, did I just have a stroke? Are you guys okay? Hello? Are you guys okay? Do you know any of these things? Any, any. History should have talked about Joan of Arc at least once. Okay. So we have this worldview. You, you live in a world, you live in a culture that's completely different from when I grew up. And, and you know, I wish I could say, you know, when you're 35. But when you're 45, okay, that's, and, and this is when it kicks in. It's, it kind of kicks into hyperdrive, all this stuff. Yeah, back when I was a kid, um, you start to say those things or, you know, that was cool. I was cool with that long before it was cool. And, and, and you start saying things like that. And, and so you wrestle with this. So in these completely different generations, how do we deal with love and how do we practice love and how do we show this loving one another aspect? We do this by engaging with one another. And you've done it. Benjamin said, you guys are sitting all over the place. Somebody else said, you guys are sitting all over the place. Look at you. You're all sitting close together. Very good. Very good. Good stuff. I will warn you about the Bastrop kids. They are as weird as they look. I can't make the disclaimer that, that he made of it. Boo. But it's true. <laughs> I'm, I'm being loving by warning them. Uh, of these things. So when we walk into this, so when we do this, when we're living like this, th there are some things that we're called to do. And, and one of the things that we are called to do, one of the things that this love requires us to do is it requires us to engage the culture that we live in and to engage the world. Okay. I'm sorry, parents. I know that frightens some of you because you've been telling them, stay away from that boy. But th this, 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 this is true because you, you can't just stay away from that. Because when we grew up, there were defined circles of socialization. There, you know, there were the preps and there were the cowboys and there were the jocks. And you could have some cowboys. That, but, and, and so there were all these different groups. Now all your groups kind of overlap. And, and, and make it to where you're going to engage some of those people. So as you engage those people, how do you engage those people? What do you do when you sit next to someone who sits down to eat lunch with you and every other word out of their mouth is some filthy, foul word that if you said at home, your mother would be running for the soap, <laughs> right? So what do you, stop that. Don't talk like that. That's not engaging the culture, is it? That's confronting the culture. Okay, so, so how do you do that and how do you model that? You model it with love. Now, sometimes you do have to say something. Guys, if there are girls present and one of your buddies is, is dropping foul bombs all over the place like that, it's time to step up and go, hey, you know what? That's not real cool to do around ladies. Because your culture doesn't understand that as well as our culture did. Right? If there are younger kids around, Guys, girls, it's okay to go, you know what? There's some young kids around. Let's watch that. That's love. That's love because 
it's, it's engaging a quality in someone that could produce a harmful result later. And we want to step into that and we want to, but we don't want to be judgmental. We don't want to say, the Lord has said you cannot talk to people like that. We don't, we don't want to do that. That, that, that's not how, that's not how we engage that again, that's confrontation of culture and it's not what we can do. Sorry. <laughs> Frightening the little ones. I'll step over here. Uh, so that, that's, that's not how we do that. We step in and we engage and we do it in multiple different ways. Jesus called his disciples and he said, you're the salt of the earth. Okay. Salt is not just something that you put a lot of it on a, on a potato so that it actually tastes like something other than potato. The salt aspect of something was a purification and also the final aspect of a covenant relationship with God. And it's part of what we are. There's, there's just no escaping that. If you're a Christian and if you live like a Christian, you are going to be rather salty at times. You're going to make people kind of, kind of, kind of swallow hard sometimes. Relationships are going to be tough in school sometimes. Relationships are going to be tough in youth group sometimes because you're not all perfect Christians. Just like none of us are perfect Christians, no matter how we try to look like it. So we engage our culture. That's the first thing that we do. We step into the culture. And it's not just about bringing people to Christ. It's not just about bringing people to church. It's about redemption and it's about healing and it's about, it's about walking beside them in the tough and trying times of their life and just trying to be a friend and trying to minister to them in the midst of brokenness. Because I know you've got friends that are dealing with brokenness in their lives. I know you do. Because I see it all around you and I see it every day. So we love first from the outside in. We love the outside of that person. No matter how difficult they make it. No matter how tough it is. We love from the outside in. The other aspect of this is that in loving each other and in the practical applications of this, we are making the gospel known. Because here's why you love others. Because God loved you first. Right? And nobody here knows you like you know you. And you know the honest truth about you that, that, that maybe sometimes you're hateful or maybe sometimes you're dismissive or maybe sometimes you know, you've, we've all got our little obstacles of our own personality that we have to deal with. But God, God loves you in the midst of that. John 3.16, for God loved the world so much that he gave his son. 1 John 3.16, this is how we know what love is, that God or that, that Christ gave up his life for us. Paul tells us countless times in different books that, that while we were still sinners, while we were still enemies of God, he stepped in to make reconciliation. And now we are ministers of reconciliation. That's us. That's you. 
In your generation, in your school, where you live, in your home, you are ministers of reconciliation. You are people who offer themselves to bring people closer to God. You, I have a friend named Benny, and, and Benny's a big dude, uh, and he works with street people uh, up in Boulder, Colorado. And, and Benny, Benny kind of looks like dark Santa. Uh, because he's, 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 he's about mine and Philip's size, maybe a little bit bigger, and he's got this huge black beard that just goes everywhere with specks of white in it and everything else like that. And he's got these huge gauges in his ears. My favorite earrings are the ones that are rhino tusks that he wears through there. They're small, but they're, well, they're not real. They're fake. But, they're, but they, they still look cool, and they stick out. And, and sometimes he walks with a cane, and sometimes he doesn't. But, you know, people in the street, some of the scariest people you've ever seen in your life walk up to him and call him Papa. And Benny talks about having a dream. And he talks about having a dream and walking through a tunnel in downtown Denver and coming upon this girl who was fixing to do something she should not have been doing. And Jesus was standing behind that girl. And as Benny gets closer to the situation, Jesus looks up at Benny and says, it's about time you got here. We talk about, and, and, and ministers, we're bad at this. We do this all the time. You need to take Jesus to the world. Awesome. Jesus is already in the world. And the reason that we're called to love one another is because when we step closer to someone, Jesus reflects off of us and into their life. 2 Corinthians chapter 3 tells us that as we walk with Christ, the Holy Spirit comes on us, and, and with unveiled faces, we begin to reflect the Lord's glory with ever-increasing glory, ever-increasingly, more and more. The more love you're able to show someone, the more you're willing to show Christ, the more you're able to show Christ. In 2006, John Mayer wrote a song called Waiting for the World to Change, right? You know the song? Anybody? Waiting for the world to change, right? Yeah, that's it. That's it. And he says he wrote the song because he got tired of listening to his generation, generation gripe and complain about that, how they couldn't ever change things because the old people wouldn't let them. And so he wrote the song to engage them and to get them to start talking about ways in which they could impact the world and ways that they could make the world change. You know how you make the world change? Set an example for the believers in how you love. Moms and dads are still going to click their teeth and do that when you're hanging around with those unseemly people, miscreants, heretics. They're going to admire you as well. Because it's in this area of your faith that you teach us so much. And as you continue to do that, and as you continue to gain maturity and do it better and better, you, can, you guys can help change the whole church culture and the way that the outside world looks at church. 
They'll no longer see us as just people who are judgmental, but they'll see us who people whose initial reaction is love. Why? One, because we know God and we know what God's purpose was in this world, that he came to seek and to save the lost and he came to restore humanity to relationship with him. And when we love other people, we are acting like Jesus when he ate with people and he, and, he, and he hung out with people that the religious people of the day thought, well, that's not a very nice person. And we get to begin to change the way people see the church. C.S. Lewis says, if you're going to love, you're going to be vulnerable. And your heart will certainly be wrung out like a rag and possibly broken. If you want to make sure of keeping it intact, then don't give your heart to anyone. Not even to a pet. Wrap it carefully around with little hobbies and luxuries. Don't, don't entangle yourself. Lock it up safe and keep it in a box of your selfishness. And it will not be broken. It will become unbreakable, impenetrable, but also irredeemable. The only place outside of heaven where you can be perfectly safe from all the dangers of love is hell. Another author, Don Miller, tells us that we as Christians, we are called to lay our hands on the wounds of the broken people in this world and to stop their bleeding. And in that, our hearts are going to be broken. And in that, we're going to hurt. And in that, we become just like Christ. Because his heart was broken. And he was hurt. And yet, he still loves. I'm not asking you to do something easy. I'm asking you to do the hardest thing you'll ever do. I'm asking you to live lives that, quite frankly, set you up to be taken advantage of. But that's the call. That's the conversion. When we talk about being converted into Christ, we're talking about being changed from me, Johnny, who is selfish, uh, prideful, um, arrogant. I miss any? Becca? Rude. I don't know how I forgot that one. <laughs> Rude. Um, judgmental. Judgmental is one I missed. Huh? Temperamental. Yeah. What do you mean by that? Um, I know I should have brought my list. I'm sorry. But I'm all these things. <laughs> but the amazing thing is, is that God still works through knuckleheads like me. And he'll work through you. And he's working through your parents. So don't hide it from them. Work with them. They're part of the love one another. Because you see, Scott talks about the two greatest commandments. Love the Lord your God. And then love one another. He forgot the third one. And the third one is mentioned in the book of 1 John when it says, well, actually, it's also mentioned in John chapter, John chapter 13 when Jesus is meeting with his disciples and he says, a new command I give you, 
love one another as I have loved you. So yeah, we've got love God. Yeah, we've got loving others as yourself. But then there's the church aspect of it where we have to love one another as Christ has loved us. And that's just a whole nother big old step. So may you be strengthened by knowing God and knowing about God and the love of God. And may you be powerful and mighty and make a difference in people's lives by loving others like you love yourself. And may you teach us older folks who have all our flaws to be more loving, to look at people with the eyes of Jesus. And maybe, just maybe, we can help a few come to know Jesus. Thanks. Love you guys.